This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast, presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on the Learning Unlocked podcast. We've got another great episode for you today. My guest is Sukhbir Jazuja. He is the founder and CEO of ITpreneurs. You can find them online at itpreneurs.com. Sukhbir has been in the learning and technology sector for the last two decades. In this period, he's founded six companies in the learning, training, content, and platform space and an analytic software company. Sukhbir, Thanks for joining me on the Learning Unlocked podcast. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you very much. And a pleasure to be here, Brian. So you're joining us from the Netherlands, correct? That is right. The Netherlands, uh, the, the flat-landed com- country. I don't know if you ever had the pleasure, but, uh, but we, have, we are the only country without any mountains or hills uh, in the world. So I did not know that. See, I'm learning something already. I have not been to the Netherlands, but it's on my my list. And let's start by talking about ITpreneurs. How was the company founded and, and kind of what was the impetus to start the company? So uh, I uh, started my career in Procter & Gamble, you know, the, the, the American giant uh, in the fast-moving consumer goods space. And uh, uh, in one of my roles there, I uh, was responsible for, glo- you know, building sort of global competence in a in a new area new domain and uh you know really enjoyed that experience and uh when i decided to leave uh, procter and gamble to start something on my own i ended up uh find founding itpreneurs uh this is really two decades old i never imagined i would still be uh running itpreneurs you know, and owning it uh, two decades later, but it's uh, it's been a really, really interesting two decades of being involved in the learning, uh, competence building space for the last two decades. Uh, not a lot changed in the first fifteen years uh, of this journey, as I had hoped and imagined. But uh, I think what we have observed and seen in the last five years has made up for uh, for everything. We are now. I mean, a hot sector, you know, we're going through all sorts of interesting developments and changes, and that's what keeps me interested and exciting. 
what are some of the specific big changes over the last five years? So many people I've had on this podcast, obviously the pandemic has shifted so many things, but in that five-year span, what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen? Uh, I think the, in my observations, uh, the changes actually had already started uh, before the pandemic. We have seen, I mean, the advent of, uh, I think, AI, so artificial intelligence and machine learning has started to play a much bigger role in being able to personalize uh, and customize uh, learning and training, which uh, has not really happened. I mean, we've talked about personalized learning for the last two decades and, you know, learner centricity, those types of concepts, but uh, it has always been very difficult to achieve because we did not have the, the technology and the economics to be able to make it happen on a individual level. But uh, what we have seen, you know, the application of, uh, of uh, the new technology, cloud, uh, artificial intelligence, et cetera, applied to, uh, to be able to direct learning, training based on people's roles, interests by modeling uh, around job roles and the required skills, the advent of the learning experience platforms, the, the whole uh, democratization has, uh, has really started to drive a lot of the changes which we have always wanted and uh, to see where learning can now be more and more linked to uh, performance. You know, I think that has always been the holy grail of uh, investing in training. Uh, and we can actually start to see the beginnings of, uh, of that connection starting to come to fruition. Walk me through, and, and this might be a complex question, so forgive me, personalizing and customizing learning and training. Walk me through that process and, and how that works. If I'm at a company and, you know, again, it's one size does not fit all for learning mm -hmm. and training, how can you customize a training just for me? So I think there are already a couple of dimensions uh, which are probably worth uh, taking into account, right? Uh, one is the, the dimension around uh, the learner's learning preferences, you know, and employee's learning preferences, right? We, we sort of know all from the theory and, you know, over the past years of people being auditory versus visual versus, uh, you know, other forms of uh, prefer other forms of learning. Some people learn when they talk, some people learn when they write, some people learn different, you know, people learn differently, right? Mm -hmm. And so that I think is already one dimension. I think systemically, if we can figure out what people's uh, preferences are, what type of learning content engages them more, which they tend to complete, conclude, you know, that is something relatively easy to figure out if you uh, keep track of the systemic, the systemic data based, uh, you know, in interactions tell you that and helps you model the learner's preferences uh, rather easily based on, based on the technology, which is uh, available today. I think the uh, more complicated part has been uh, what is the uh, right level? What is the, type of content which is attractive to the to the learner because that 
goes a lot beyond just the learning styles and preferences that goes into uh, their job roles, uh, but actually goes much more into uh, what is the natural inclination for people who are doing certain jobs in terms of what are the possible career paths they might want to move into or be interested in. And modeling that is far more complex. And that is where AI has uh, started to come in and play a much bigger role to be able to model uh, for people's preferences based on the you know historical data that is collected across millions of uh, interactions that other learners who have been in similar roles, uh, etc. And so using the technology to feed people with content and seeing which content they engage with uh, helps you model for their learning preferences in terms of topics, domains, etc. And also gives you an inkling of uh, what is likely to be their career paths that they are interested in potentially moving towards. So I don't know if that answers all of the dimensions of the questions, but uh, but I think it at least gives a feeling for uh, what you know what is it that technology allows us to do in terms of personalization. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit opensesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. It's so interesting. It's almost like meeting the learner where the learner is. So for instance, as crazy as it sounds, you know, I'm a busy person. I'm traveling. I'm driving in my car. I'd much rather listen to an audio book now than read the Mm -hmm. book. I retain Mm -hmm. the information by listening to the book more now than reading it. It used to be, you know, I'd sit down and read a book. Now I'm on the go. I want to listen to the book or I want to listen to a podcast. So meeting the learner where they are, I think that's a really great idea. And frankly, you know, we've done a lot of these podcasts. It's kind of the first time I've heard someone talk about customizing the learning to meet the learner where they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, there is a lot of movement and discussions and 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 developments which have started to take place, right? I mean, you know, uh, I think uh, uh, Josh Burson, uh, who's a leading analyst in the learning industry, uh, coined the term of uh, learning in the flow of work, right? I mean, it's, it, it uh, is, I think, very, very interesting idea and concept. Uh, by the way, it's something which we do all the time. Whenever we are trying to do something, can't find solutions for it, we go Google it, right? That is sort of, in a way, part of uh, uh, part of that learning on the you know context sensitive learning etc that we can uh, uh, all relate to but indeed if you can uh, further customize and personalize the you know the learning in context of what people are uh, trying to do and uh, trying to achieve and uh, feed them content in uh, forms which 
is uh, attractive for them to consume that just makes the whole process of learning much, much more efficient. And I think that is what everybody's sort of starting to strive towards doing. You know, we, we are seeing more and more initiatives happening. And this is also where Ajipneo sees the future. Uh, we have been in the content business for last uh, 20 years, focused on the IT space, uh, IT professionals. And we are also experimenting with, uh, can we provide the content in various formats and then use technology and the uh, our understanding of, uh, you know, and this is all data and, and analytics-based preferences on how learners want to learn and what type of learning content engages them more. We're trying to start to feed them the same content in the formats which uh, and you know it's a it's a long journey still ahead of us but uh, i think if we can you know break create some breakthroughs here i think that will make the whole process of learning upskilling reskilling next skilling whatever terms are associated uh, these days uh, much more efficient for organizations and i think this is where we we can create real interesting uh, you know, real magic uh, in the next generation. So, how has remote and the pandemic changed the way people are learning? Again, a lot of people that I talked to used to be they worked in an office, they saw people face to face. Now there's a lot of remote communication taking place. How has that changed the landscape? I will also respond to that on a couple of uh, dimensions. At the organizational level, the you know, the human resources, learning and development uh, managers, leaders within the organizations have have either uh, seen what they have always predicted or wanted actually come true, right? They've basically uh, seen that there is there was no other way, right, to do this. And so digital uh, one and for organizations which had not made enough progress uh, in the past, uh, they had to do it. And as the longer the pandemic lasted, the more Im- imperative it became that they actually develop a strategy, uh, which was, uh, you know, uh, which was uh, digital proof, right? Digital uh, uh, friendly, because uh, two years is a long time to not feed your people with uh, the right learning and training content, etc. You start to lose momentum as an organization. So I think at the organizational level, we are definitely we've definitely seen a shift, uh, and I think that shift is permanent. I mean, obviously, we saw a shift, which meant there was everything to do with the physical uh, died down completely. I think I don't think it is completely dead as the organizations move back. You know, some of that is coming back, but the shift is has d- taken place, and it is dramatic. And it is significant and not all the budgets pre-pandemic are coming back in the same format. So that's one dimension which I absolutely have seen happen in all my interactions, engagements with CHROs, CLOs, uh, chief talent officers, etc. The second dimension is more learner-centric. I think the, you know, the younger generation, you know, the Gen Z, perhaps even Gen Y, right? For them, the moving, uh, working from home, working remotely, le- continuing to learn uh, has not been as tough as uh, it has been for the older generation. But I think the everybody has adapted. And I do think that 
the sh- the changes in uh, behavior has been the biggest ones for for the older employees, let's say. Um, and I'm generalizing very much, and I recognize that. But um, it has been, you know, it has been an experience for everybody to start to work differently, but also learn differently. So I do believe that the future of work has evolved and is different, and future of learning has evolved along with it, and is also going to be different in line with more hybrid models, which will probably fall into place. And uh, more and more organizations are clearly recognizing that. The other thing that's changed is the importance of continuing education, right? There's so much movement in the workforce now. If you're not providing that for your employees, they're going to leave and they're going to go to a company that emphasizes continuing education, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, because of the number, the acceleration in the whole digital adoption, the number of uh, initiatives in the digital transformation have increased significantly. And I think pandemic has sort of accelerated the pace of that and it has given leaders who were not maybe uh, familiar or aware or of the uh, potential contribution technology can and will have a further you know, indication and a push. So I think the number of initiatives this, uh, in this direction are, have increased and will continue to increase, as is shown by data published by you know, many different uh, analyst uh, organizations out there, right? And that means em- employees within the organizations have to change along with that, right? So the whole digital confidence within the organizations uh, have to, has to go up, right, in the form of uh, uh, di- digital skills, uh, various roles, irrespective of which department or which function or which domain you belong to. And uh, so investing in that is just, I mean, it's a no-brainer. It's, uh, it's important uh, to enable. Uh, it's important to create the right performance, uh, but also absolutely important to create the right employee engagement. Because without employee engagement, and this is something which has now been proven, and we are talking about the great resignation and uh, movements such as such as those. Without employee engagement, people do feel, you know, not not enough connection with their uh, employer or their work uh, or their teams, and and that is something which is uh, in in today's world where talent. Is massively uh, there are massive shortages of uh, digitally confident talent, right? And that organizations have to think in terms of better employee engagement, better talent mobility, right? Allowing people to to be able to move, and that also comes indeed with having proper structural programs, thought through programs around uh, enabling talent mobility through upskilling, reskilling. Uh, next skilling types of uh, structured resources, uh, platforms, and also culture, right? Which allows people to to spend time on continuous learning, as uh, as you very rightly said, Brian. So absolutely, all of these elements are not th- theoretical anymore, uh, because we've talked about them for the last uh, many years, 
uh, but they are real uh, and we observe that uh, every day in our interaction with uh, with our customers uh, and with the uh, talent leaders uh, within the organization more of learning unlocked is coming up after this Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard, and having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. I like the term digitally confident. I haven't heard that either. And, and I think it is important. And you bring up a good point about uh, you know, the older generation, because they're not as digitally confident as the younger generation. I have a teen daughter. She's used to growing up around this generation of digital. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, for older people who haven't grown up around it, it hasn't been native to them, they're not as digitally confident, but that's kind of the landscape that we're working within now, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that offers us uh, a challenge, but also an opportunity to take that generation, right? I mean, you know, my if I look at my own generation, right? We we already, and not, you know, I'm in my late forties uh, for for the audience, but uh, I already feel that there is a generation gap with my daughter, despite the fact that I have built many tech companies. <laughs> right. Uh, I already feel that my kids are. Uh, you know, further ahead in terms of their uh, digital confidence uh, and footprint. And, you know, they are doing stuff which I still have to make an effort to to do. And I think this holds true even further for, you know, the, the generation which is uh, has been before me. And so, but we should not and cannot afford to ignore. We have to take them along and we have to make uh, extra effort to put the right programs in place, enablement uh, in place to to equip them with the necessary skills, but also the confidence to, you know, to be good digital uh, confident employees, right? So absolutely, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity and also a potential differentiator for organizations who do that well. Just a few minutes left. Uh, can you highlight some of the course titles that ITpreneurs has on Open Sesame. I know, you know you've worked with them for a number of years. And um, again, I know that you're really focused on the IT professionals with those courses, but I didn't know if you had any that you wanted to highlight. Uh, I think uh, our partnership with Open Sesame is relatively young. And uh, so we have started with uh, a few of our titles which are around uh, IT best practices. Mm-hmm. 
So these uh, best practices uh, reflect and uh, relate to practices which have evolved uh, as a you know, as a sort of co-creation exercise between various organizations and representatives of it working together to share their experiences and practices. And so these best practices can be around areas such as IT governance, IT uh, architecture, or IT uh, service support, or IT service management, and these types of practices. So we have, uh, I think, about a dozen uh, titles that we are uh, offering through Open Sesame, and we are, it's a start of a what I hope will be a great partnership. I know Open Sesame, uh, as you mentioned, Brian, for a for a while now, and have had the pleasure and the opportunity to work with uh, a few of your uh, colleagues at the Open Sesame, and I know that uh, as a as an organization, Open Sesame is doing. Uh, fantastic work in terms of curating content, right? Learning content and making it, uh, keeping it more relevant, right? And also by being able to combine content from various sources, create the focus on learner uh, needs and, you know, the, the same topics as we were talking about in terms of learner centricity. So I think in that regard, because our uh, values and ideals and the opportunities that we are uh, going for are very similar. I believe that uh, we are going to have a good partnership with Open Sesame, and we very much look forward to that. My last question for you, I'd be negligent if I didn't ask this. You're someone who has been a successful entrepreneur. You've started uh, six, seven, eight different companies, as I mentioned at the top of this conversation. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, what are the skills, what's the mindset you have to have to be an entrepreneur? Because it's not cut out for everyone. Yeah, I think uh, there are. this is a very uh, complicated question because it has so many dimensions. I think the whole definition of what's successful itself is, uh, hmm. I mean, uh, even, even for uh, ventures which, uh, which have failed in its conventional sense, as in uh, have not, you know, have not been in the end economically viable. Uh, I have enjoyed them a lot and uh, and have uh, learned a lot as, as part of that. And I think, you know, it's often said entrepreneurs cannot be afraid of the failure. And, uh, and that's true, right? That's one of the things if you, as an entrepreneur, you have to take risks and you have to not be afraid of taking, taking risks and not be afraid of failing. And I am very proud to say that I have had uh, successes in conventional sense and also failures in conventional sense, and I'm as proud of the failures as I am of success. Successes that we have uh, created in the form of successful exits, I mean. The second thing uh, I feel uh, is important as an entrepreneur is to sort of know what your strengths are, you know, to know which, what parts do you really enjoy. So uh, over a period of time, I discovered that I really enjoy creating uh, new uh, conceptualizing new ideas and creating teams to uh, to work on those ideas uh, together. And I typically don't enjoy uh, scaling businesses beyond a certain point. It becomes a bit too repetitive uh, for my taste. And so, if the company goes beyond a certain revenue size and beyond a, a certain 
you know, size in terms of number of employees. I the I sort of don't enjoy it as much. You know, I sort of look for escape routes in in those scenarios. And so I think the the point is you sort of know what you enjoy doing, where you know you are good at also. And also where the biggest needs are, you know, I mean, in the end, I am also not just doing it for commercial gains anymore. It's also about trying to figure out where can I make the most impact. And so if you can define your own success criteria in ways which you are most comfortable with, I think that uh, helps a lot in waking up every day with energy and uh, doing it all over again. Sukhbir Jazuja, the founder and CEO of ITpreneurs. You can find them online at itpreneurs.com. You can find their courses in the Open Sesame catalog at opensesame.com. Sukhbir, thank you so much for joining me from the Netherlands. I hope you enjoy your weekend. And uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Brian. Really appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked. Presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.